picked up a rowing machine. <gasps> Ooh. Are you going to yeah. Peloton row? No. Oh. <laughs> we, we got secondhand, like, like the Amazon basic, not Amazon basic, but Amazon Prime, like, preferred model. Okay. Okay. No bone, like, no specials whatsoever. It's literally just so we get our butts moving. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just. Well. It's one of the things. <laughs> we have a rower. I got Nick She's a rower. She's about to throw some shade. Everyone uh, prepare. For his birthday many years ago, and he's used it twice, I think. Many years ago. We've lived in this house for two years Okay, I got less. it for you two years ago. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> we sure as hell didn't have space for that thing in the apartment. I can say that right now. <laughs> It's in the, so we're in our basement. There's a storage room behind us that's huge. It's in the back of the storage room because Kid Heaven lives over there and TV, you know. Yeah. But. Yeah, I'm sure we'll have to rearrange our lives once we have kids to arrange for things like Kid Heaven. Why is that a weird start? All right, I'm going to apologize to our listeners and our guests right off the bat because apparently that was a weird start. That was just so a weird way to... Apologies, everyone <laughs> all around. Um, but we might as well go ahead and say uh, what podcast this is. If you're listening to us, you're listening to In Love With Movies. Hey, sports fans. Uh, sports fans? Movie lovers. <laughs> and I'm Danielle. God, we've been doing this for, it's measured in years now. I, I would think that we would start to get some of this on, on point. I've never said my full name in yeah. my whole life. No, I usually, <laughs> and I'm Danny, and this is a podcast where we talk about what, Nick? We talk about love and movies. Hey, hey it's right there in the title. <laughs> Look at that. that. <laughs> and then you bring it on home. Uh, specifically, we try to talk about, uh, you know, how we become the people we are, or we express the people we are by the movies that we love, and we use that to get to know uh, each other as a couple, and we get to know our friends and uh, colleagues that we find through this podcast space, and we are joined uh, by a couple this evening that I'm very happy to have with us. Uh, they we, we were talking, I last saw them when uh, Kevin, uh, sorry, I, I was going to leave names for a second, but Kevin stood up in uh, our wedding, and then before that, I was proud to stand up in uh, these two's wedding. So uh, they are going to join us and tell us all about their lives, since they have very different marriage than we do. They've been together longer. Like you're leaving. You're leaving out a very important detail of your wedding. Oh, yes, I yes, yes. At the reception because I had to go get my ring cut off my finger because my hand had swollen. She well, took that our is car very to much, the hospital. It was, it was, that's part of our love story. We were about here about your love story. I, I wasn't going to necessarily, you know, throw you under it the was, bus. It's still part of our, like, it was my wedding ring that we cut off. So, solid, you know. point. Yeah, solid point. Yeah, but also our car was gone for half our reception. We had no idea. <laughs> I was going to say, I had an idea. (laughs) I didn't know. It wasn't necessary. Anyway, so this is Kevin and Julie Malone, movie lovers. Welcome to In Love With Movies. Yep. So (laughs) Indeed. So aside from... uh, 
happenings at uh, weddings and things of that nature. Why don't you give us that full story? Now, we'll, we'll give all of our different uh, versions or memories of that, uh, and then we can move on to the rest Maybe, of you all's love story after. Yeah, you should also say how long you've known these humans. Julie said it earlier, and I was like, damn, uh, that's a long time. Well, yeah, I guess if we start figuring out, did you say it's it's been 15, right? Yeah, I mean, we graduated 10 years ago, so uh, more than 10. It, it's yeah. closer to 11 now um, <laughs> from BG. So, and, you know, throw five years in front of that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Nick, we've known you for 15 years. Day. Danny, not quite as long. <laughs> but but about, about half of that. I was going to say, you would have met her pretty quickly at, I think, yeah. uh, Bendejo's wedding, right? No, at yep. Convivium. Remember when Nick bit his tongue and wouldn't stop bleeding? Was that before or after that wedding, though? That was before the wedding. No, that that was before. There before were only, I think there was only a couple weeks difference. But oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I yep. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> there must have been some people at that wedding then that were not at Viv because. I just have a very distinct memory of like more than one friend of ours from college coming up to me. And after having met you, Danielle, I've told this story before being like, don't fuck this one up. Like <laughs> this, this girl is off the chain. You, you've, you've hooked one. Don't, don't. Yeah. I think you were one of them. You were not the only, Probably. but you were, I mean, it literally was like, I, just throughout the whole night. Like I'd just be like, Hey man, it's good to see you again. And then the next thing they'd say would be just, yeah. And you better stay with this girl. You lock that down. <laughs> and he did. Well, Look at that. I remember, Nick, at Bendejo's wedding, as we're waiting for dinner, you turning and asking me, because we were the two that was, were at the very end, and you saying, so, so how do you know when you found her? Oh. I'm like, Nick, the fact that, one, you're thinking about it, and two, you're saying that while you're looking at her. Oh. Pretty good. That's so sweet. That is really cute. I do not remember that specifically, but I, I'm dead not surprised. That's cute. There may have been alcohol involved. There was a lot of alcohol uh, in that. Uh, wedding. <laughs> it was anyway. a little early, but it was—I can't remember what I told you outside of that. But it's like Nick, everything that you've been doing is wow. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. So well, back to you guys. I was going to say. Speaking of that, why don't we hear how? you two knew we're going to save a little bit of the meat cute because it, it interacts with our uh, actual uh, the, the the second half of our podcast where we'll be covering what movie Kevin and Julie labyrinth <laughs> that's right the labyrinth okay so we will cover the labyrinth which interacts with your meat cute but at some point after the meat cute and I'm guessing not the very beginning when you were watching this movie together you figured out that you had found the one and decided to you know move forward with your lives together what was like that like and when did each of you know <laughs> um, tough questions here on in love with movies <laughs> we did not prepare them <laughs> No. <laughs> I was going to say, one thing that made me start realizing it was, it was, I think, a January in BG, and there's a good, probably, few inches of snow on the ground, and Julie had a flat tire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> couldn't get it unstuck. And it was literally it, frozen. Yeah. Like, oh. it was... It was like, like we're talking. AAA guy had a hard time yeah. with, it, with all their specialized tools in their car, and I was out there probably a good forty-five half hour, forty-five minutes trying to get unstuck. And I was like, 
I, I wouldn't be doing this for myself. Like, <laughs> I, I would have called AAA. <laughs> Very good. I'm like, yep, nope, there's a reason. Um, I don't, I mean, that was definitely, that was real near the beginning. Right. Um, Some of us know pretty early on. I don't think we were official quotes finger quotes around that mm-hmm. at that point um in fact i know we weren't yeah. anyway um there's more to that <laughs> um anyways but i um still before we were officially dating um my grandfather died and um like i was on my way home for the funeral and Kevin called me and was like, hey, if you need a minute to like breathe, you know, my, I, he was home for the summer and my parents' house was like on your way home if you want to stop and just like sit. And it wasn't like, I didn't need to say anything. I didn't need to like explain how I was feeling or get anything out. Just like sitting there and being comfortable in silence, which if you've ever met me is not (laughs) something that I am terribly comfortable with. So like to very early on be willing to like sit in silence and say nothing and be okay with that, I think was just like a, yeah. That's pretty crazy. And, and movie lovers, you all know that I'm not very good with silences. And so Julie is very much in that same vein. Uh, so I think you all have an idea of what she's talking about there. And some of you I know can relate. So, and how long have you all been married now? <laughs> well, that took too long. <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea. So I'm impressed that he knew. Yeah. Eight, eight and a half years. Yeah. He figured that question might come up. <laughs> 13, 14, it'll be 14 years officially. Yeah. In, that we've been together in November. <laughs> so, okay, so that actually, I, I guess I hadn't realized how serendipitous it is. You all are basically double on each of those metrics than we are. <laughs> Do, would you say that you like each other every day? There's some moments. <laughs> There's some moments where it's like, again, it's just like with anyone. You can have a moment where you like each other and then a moment where it is not, you, you both go to separate corners <laughs> yeah i mean that's there's no other relationship in your life where you spend so much time together and have to work together all the time like even people that you work with regularly you're not working all the time on common goals things like that and um it's funny we joke with a couple friends of ours like opposites attract right so where i want to like deal with an issue right away and get mad when i don't get a response he needs to like process and like (laughs) then come back and talk about it um julie and and nick are the same person (laughs) (laughs) so like a lot of times like that cause that cause like makes the issue bigger Right. right because oh yeah there's the issue and the issue might be really tiny and then but the second part, i want to talk about it and he doesn't and 
it could be three days before he wants to talk yeah. about it. And at that point, I'm like, I'm over it. Like, <laughs> what are we still doing talking about this? So, um, but the opposites attract, there are things like that we feel differently about. There are things that we react differently to, um, both within our marriage, within our family, within the world. Um, and reconciling that is, not always easy um <laughs> especially with tiny humans um and so how do you think having tiny humans as you would say has changed your marriage um you can't talk about things whenever you want <laughs> that must be difficult for um, you i know it would be for me <laughs> yeah um both but both like issues but also just like adult things you want to talk about especially the ages that they are now mm-hmm. um because claire wants to be involved in every conversation mm-hmm. um and nolan is a parrot um mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you mm-hmm. say something that you don't want other people to hear it's gonna go uncle on, bob really so. pissed me off and then next time he uh-huh. sees uncle bob he's just saying uh-huh. the words uncle bob really pissed me off for no reason and you don't know yep. why <laughs> yep we, we have two uncle bob, bob. <laughs> and then grandpa bob so there's right um i was home all day with a newborn and a two-year-old um he finally got to work from home and it was a couple days into him working from home um claire was painting and spilled her water (laughs) he knows now he knows what i'm talking about in my tone it might as well come out of my mouth claire goes oh shit (laughs) (laughs) And I just walked away because there was no denying that it was me that she heard that from. And he just and looks at me. All I do is just lean back in the chair. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? You be home with the two right. of them all like, <laughs> for 10 hours a day by yourself, okay? <laughs> We've pulled the goalie in the last six months, so... Uh... Okay, that's gonna be edited out of the podcast. I don't even know. Why? People don't need to. Oh, got it. <laughs> we're not, you know, trying, but uh, we're not not trying. Let go and let God. Right. I guess yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. So it's become a, a more common conversation in our household, and and we like to get pe- different people's perspectives. We've we've talked to people who are like, you know, against, they're in committed relationships that are against marriage for themselves entirely. They definitely don't want kids. There's other people that are married but without kids. Then there's people like yourselves that I think is probably where we both see ourselves heading in some direction. You know what I mean? Do you all want to have more kids? Because we've talked about for us, like two is the perfect number. <laughs> I was going to say, that's a conversation that has come up recently. <laughs> um, but it, and again, it's, but it's, like we moved into the house again right before the world shut down. Yeah. And we have bedroom we have an extra bedroom, so it's like, okay, do we want another one of our own? We both have talked about either fostering or adopting or the foster to adopt path. Um would we want to try to do one of both? So it's again, we're not saying no to anything yet. So. Also, not saying yes to anything. Negotiations are still happening. <laughs> right. 
knowing that they're worth it, what makes them worth it? What's the best thing about having little humans under your care? <laughs> I just like that we're going to catch little humans. Tiny, tiny humans. Ha- hashtag um, tiny humans. Hashtag tiny humans. I, I genuinely, um, until um, having children, I didn't understand like the depths of love and as cheesy as that sounds like there are days where I just look at them and I'm like I like how (laughs) (laughs) like and um it's just different and it's a different kind of love than with your spouse than with your own parents than you know with your friends kids um but they definitely keep you on your toes <laughs> like um did you want to I... uh, like, again just kind of going off of like there are times when like this morning both of them were like crawling on me and trying to snuggle in and i'm like i i just want to eat my waffle <laughs> i love you guys this is incredibly adorable i'm hungry <laughs> they all have that in common yeah. All three of them get hangry. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, so it, it, and it is just fun to see the little bits that they pull from each of you. Yeah. Um, and how they express that. And it's just like, they're, I don't know. It's to watch them learn and um, like explore. Because none of us, I don't think, remember that like especially at their age like just to watch them discover things is just fun um they, don't get me wrong there are definitely times that it's not fun but <laughs> that's hilarious that's a whole different thing too going back to your previous question is especially now with two is watching them connect to each other oh, okay. um <clears throat> because it, that takes a while, right? You can't, you can play with a baby, but not in the way that a toddler plays. And so I would say even just in the last year or so, they want to play together. They want like, and they will play together. There are times where they don't want to play together (laughs) and they make it very clear to each other. But like every night, um, Nolan will come like, as Claire's getting ready for bed, come and like say night night, Claire, and like give her a hug. And Aww. he's two and a half. Like, but like she is so much of his world and mm. she just adores him. We went to uh parent teacher conferences for Claire and had to take Nolan with us. And uh the teacher was just like, Oh my gosh, I, I it's so good to finally see him in person. I know so much about from her and so that's that's fun too is to watch them connect to each other just as much as we connect with them right as well oh that's so sweet that's super sweet i love it (laughs) um nick before we move on to in love with wait this is in love with movies it's the whole podcast (laughs) we're we're doing it right now actually what's the other thing called um closer Closer through through science science. i always forget this Name of that stupid thing. Um, well, we're almost through it, possibly. So, do you all have any like final advice or thoughts on just like being in a relationship, being in a relationship for so long, and having like a growing and changing relationship? 
Like we each have those things that I know that there are things that I I enjoy that I know that Julie she may ask about it, but she probably won't want to play or do. <laughs> and I realize and like there are things that Julie finds interesting. And I'm like, okay, like I don't have an interest in that. <laughs> so it, it's not the whole the idea of you become married and everything you like becomes the same. No, it, it's still very much you are two people that have your own sets of likes and dislikes, um, but then working around them. Like there are shows that I will watch on my lunch break at work because I know that Julie cannot stand the type of humor that I have. <laughs> um, I think that um, especially women have grown up with the fairy tale right? We, whether it's Disney or whatever. Um, and that kind of ends, right? All of those movies end at the wedding. Like that's the goal. Um, and the fact of the matter is that just isn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there are moments and there, there may be months that are rough. And that doesn't mean that the relationship has become bad. That doesn't mean that um, it's over or anything like that. Sometimes it might just mean that a need is not being met or it might be a personal perception of how things are, or it might just be like, hey, we really need to make a point of like making time for us and not always time for us as a family but the two of us um or maybe it might be that you need 10 minutes a week to do what you want to do as an individual um and diagnosing that is not easy all mm -hmm. the time and sometimes you know there may be interwoven issues um but i think the biggest thing to like come out the other side of that is to not like keep it to yourself. Um, I think the more that couples talk to each other and have genuine, honest conversation without being offended by what the other person is saying is huge in the success of a relationship. I think when people kind of like keep things to themselves and, and you go through patches, right, of where you're keeping things to yourself and just, you know, something doesn't, feel right it doesn't feel like things are working but when you actually sit down and have a conversation about it you can actually reach a solution or quite frankly we all live in our own brains and the other person might have no idea that that's how you're feeling mm -hmm. and so communication doesn't just go a long way in the everyday but also just like hey something's not working and we need to figure out what it is or it's going to continue to fester and get worse um and that might be a day and it might be like i said it might be months um and sometimes it's it's not anything anybody's doing um like we said when nolan was a newborn he was not a well newborn and um there were plenty of days where while kevin was still working in the office where he came home and I just like shoved yeah. Nolan at him. And I was like, 
I'm done. I don't want anything to do with anybody for like I'm half an hour. Going up. Yeah. I'm going to go to the shower. <laughs> um, and I would say that that was a time that was rough mm-hmm. on our relationship, but nobody was doing anything wrong. Sure. It was just, we had a, a, a newborn, a, a pandemic, pandemic. <laughs> a newborn that was not doing well for a variety of reasons. Um, and, but when we kind of sat down and talked about it, eventually, yeah. <laughs> when we could. Um, well, and then it was just, hey, like, I understand that, yes, I haven't been home. I will gladly right. take him and entertain Claire while you just do nothing or <laughs> do something other than look after two tiny humans. Yeah. Um, and that, that balance and that communication, I think, becomes key. And it's not always going to be perfect. And I think people expect it to be perfect. But if you're not communicating your expectations, then the other person can't read your mind. Um, and I think that that in the last two years, mm-hmm. almost two and a half, um, <laughs> I think has made a big difference. And I think we have gotten to a point sooner um, when it's like, okay, like something's off. Something's off. Like, you know, practice what, now you notice it sooner. Is, right. Yeah. Um, and let's, you know, get a babysitter for this weekend and go see a movie, go to dinner, go walk around a park, (laughs) whatever it is so that we can have a conversation without the pressure of small people (laughs) and humans. But Um, the other part of that is also once you are having that conversation and it is very hard, especially when starting out, like to remove the defensiveness mm -hmm. of, okay, I'm doing like, you're saying I'm doing all these things wrong. It's like, okay, from your perspective, it's just, this is what's happening i come home and i go up and change and okay that's five minutes out of the mark like five ten minutes and that's okay well that's five ten minutes where she needed someone to help her Mm. and someone was available and but it's just removing that defensiveness when you start having that conversation and it's realizing okay this is how they are feeling Mm -hmm. i don't get to like i don't get to judge their feelings because it's what they are, they are expressing it to me. And if yeah. I love this person, I need to listen to it without feeling like I need to explain their feelings to themselves. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. And and I think that's something we, without tiny humans in, in the picture, have had to, had difficulty navigating, especially in the last two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think everyone's been under another additional mm-hmm. level of pressure in the last two years. And I agree with you, though, that I do think that as we've continued through it, it it's it's given us more practice to now. I think we're we're better at it, even in the small things. Like I think about I mentioned when we were off mic that I was dealing with a bunch of uh, plumbing BS in our house, and two times Danielle came home from like things that she was out doing, and both times I was in the middle of like some project, some household thing. One of them was hanging this thing behind us that's been a whole other frustration, <laughs> and then another was this plumbing thing. And both of those times, like she just came in trying to say hi and talk to me, and I kind of was a bit dismissive and. Especially the plumbing one was like, I need to go back to the the store. And she's like, well, do you want me to come with you? Sure. And like, I'm kind of like yelling at her angry, basically, like that she's even asking the question. But really, it was just like, yeah, I did want her to come with me because I hadn't seen very much of her. 
Right. Right. But, but I'm like angry at other things. And therefore, right. from you her perspective, angry. yeah. But from her perspective, <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, I'm sorry I asked, you know, like, so that was, but I think that on the car ride there, we then, I calmed down enough and she was able to kind of just be there for me long enough to be like, hey, hey um, you're kind of taking this stuff out on me a little bit. And it, I, I know it's not <laughs> having mm-hmm. to do with me, but like, I just want you to see that you're doing it. Um, and, you know, we're, we haven't always been better at that. And, and I think that the practice has, has made it better. So, yeah. But thank you all right. for sh- And I think that that's where, like, it's not a fairy tale. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Work. <laughs> and oh, if you're yeah. Not, if you're not willing to work, then you're setting yourself up for failure. Agreed. Yeah. But, but thank you all for being very vulnerable with us and for sharing that because that's, that's big. And I think that that's part of what this podcast is about, too, is, like, the people who do listen, I think, get to see, like, oh, if I'm going through this difficulty, I'm not alone. And but and if you're in an abusive situation, anyone listening, like that's a totally, totally, totally different thing. Totally different but story. Yeah. short of abuse, like I really do think pretty much any relationship can be mended with the, the right time and the right care and with both people being interested in mending it. So agreed. Both right. big and small things with that. We might as well, cause we've, we we're real deep in the, 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 the thick of it right now. We might as well stay in the thick of it. Um, I apologize in advance. This is a bit of a morbid question. Yikes. So this is our segment, Closer Through Science. Danny, what's Closer Through Science? I don't know. I didn't even know the name of it earlier. <laughs> no, Closer Through Science yeah. is a uh, scientific article or journal or something by uh, um, Aaron et al. <laughs> it's basically a bunch of questions where they put two strangers in a room, said ask questions to each other, and then they became closer Afterwards, and so we've been asking these questions of our guests for this is our third season of this podcast. So fourth, (laughs) this is not this is this is season four. No, it's not episode two. This is season three. Anyways, okay, Nick's probably right. He edits the podcast (laughs) anyway. So we've been doing this for a number of years. We've asked a lot of questions. (laughs) The point being, three was only like twelve episodes, where season two was (laughs) fourteen. A pandemic was thrown in there, Um, right? So we get the questions get deeper and they get more difficult. And And I feel like we've been skipping this one because it's really dark, but it's the last one we got. So and I trust you all well enough that we're gonna we're gonna throw this at you. If you were to die with no chance to talk to anyone or communicate to them. What would you most regret not having told someone and why haven't you told them? For me, I just feel like I, there's not much I don't say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I probably have not told my friend Emily how much her, when I just started teaching, um, her reaching out to me and getting me involved with musicals and all of that, um, it absolutely changed the trajectory as well as like trying to convince me to go to church. And now we're like <laughs> super involved in our church. Um, that literally it changed like the trajectory completely. Um, and at maybe, and going back to the, the previous question, I mean, I don't know that we'd be here if she hadn't reached out to us. Just, there's a lot of going back to what we were saying that making those decisions and talking to other people became grounded in um, 
faith and people from our church that, you know, having conversations about marriage and that marriage is work and all of that and pushing that. Um, I, I don't know that we would have necessarily made it through. Right. A lot hard, of, yeah, yeah. A lot of hard things. And why, um, why do you feel you haven't told Emily? Um, <laughs> I think it has more to do with her personality. I think she would just be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she, we have had deep conversations throughout our relationship, but not necessarily like, at how much we appreciate each other. <laughs> like, and I feel she doesn't always take deep conversations about herself seriously necessarily. Um, and I, you know, I just feel like she would feel, be weird about it. Sure. <laughs> I guess. No, that makes sense. So, but. Um, I mean, a part of me, like, it would just more so be because every night I tell everyone like the last thing I say to them is that I love them. Um, but it would just be that their friends that I've um, like take you guys, for instance, it's been a long time since we talked to you guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've had friends that have like actually moved back to the area and it's, I've, I just haven't reached out to them. Um, and sure I can say a part of it is because we all all of us have families and kids um but it's also like at, at some point I just don't feel, I forget about it yeah and that's it's like kind of fleeting that light bulb moment of, oh I should probably talk like just say see how they're doing and then it's something comes up yeah, I think I'd probably say something along the same lines. Is there's just a lot of people that I forget to to reach out to in general. So agreed. Well, on that fantastic note, <laughs> um, we're gonna go to break, and we'll see you movie lovers on the other side of that break. And Malone's, what movie will we be discussing on the other side of the break? Labyrinth. <laughs> David Bowie. Yeah. Is it Labyrinth or is it Labyrinth? We can discuss that on the other side. <laughs> Ooh, leave him with a call. <laughs> and we're back. Welcome back, movie lovers, to In Love With Movies. You always are like looking for me to say, I'm Danny, but we already did that. They listened to us for an hour. I know. <laughs> it's time for us to now discuss everyone's uh, second favorite part of this podcast, the movie portion of the podcast, where we will be discussing 1986's The Labyrinth is what we are talking about today. So a little bit of opening credits on that before I let everyone give us their love stories and whatnot. Uh, Labyrinth, and like I said, 1986, famously star David Bowie. Is uh, he a sir? I'm pretty sure he's a sir, right? Oh. Somebody give me confirmation. Yeah. Kevin's shaking his head. I don't know. <laughs> Julie, Julie's Googling it. Uh, if he's not a sir, he should be posthumously knighted. Get on that, Prince, whatever your name is now. Uh, anyway. Charles. <laughs> Thank you. King Charles, yes. Jennifer Connolly is also an, a very, very young Jennifer Connolly. Yeah. Rewatching this the other day, I was like, oh my God, I forgot how young she is. Um, directed by Jim Henson because it is full of a bunch of Henson puppets. 
And then it was written by uh, Dennis Lee, who's a who's like someone who's into a bunch of Muppet stuff, apparently, and Jim Henson as well. The, <laughs> Instead of like butt stuff, he's into <laughs> Muppet stuff. Hey, wait! What did I put your hand up a hole? You're just gonna put your hand up a hole. That's all. Anyway, um, David Bowie turns down knighthood. Oh, ooh, that's even classier. That's just like that's so David Bowie. That's That's so so David Bowie. Anyway, the third writer on this, which I thought was fascinating to me personally, uh, is Terry Jones, which people may know from Monty Python movies. He's one of the the Monty Python troupe, Terry Jones. That makes. He's the one who I'm guessing punched up all the jokes in this. You're like staring at me with surprise. I don't surprise. know who that is. Uh, if they weren't on the Mass Singer or Dancing with the Stars, I don't know these people. Anyway, Monty Python. <laughs> all right. So then, uh, people may also know the the composer Trevor Jones from Notting Hill, uh, Last of the Mohicans, Dark City. Some of those are good movies that I have personally enjoyed in the past. But that's that's our basic uh, rundown of the who's its and what's its of the movie. Now. Before we get into our love stories and discuss in detail, and <laughs> listeners, I am waiting with anticipation and bated breath to hear our guest's love story with this. But before we can get there, we have to do our quick segment first, where Danny is going to give us a summary of this movie in her words. <laughs> Great. Time for Danny's dingle. Drama. Princess? The dog! Lots of stuffed animals for a teenage girl. Bowie. Bowie? <laughs> Goblins! Bowie. Uh, a labyrinth? Very interesting creatures. Penis! <laughs> um, bog equals butthole. Dog with fox. Hoggle. What a jerk. Uh, they just party at the end. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. All right. Well, that was Danny's dingle. I had to go off my notes because, wow, what a movie. I can't wait to talk about it. For the <laughs> labyrinth. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <laughs> well... Movie lovers, if you couldn't tell, this is yet another movie that uh, Danny's love story with it is going to be rather short. Danny, what's your love story with this movie? I just saw it for the first time. Bingo. All right. She saw it because we had to for the podcast. All right. My love story with this movie is a little bit uh, more complicated, although I don't think it's going to be as good as our guests. I remember seeing this movie for the first time ever. Probably like it was on, I think, actually the Disney Channel at some point, if you can believe that, like later at night. It had to have been Disney because no. it would have been cable. I can double check it some other time. Uh, or or uh, like an ABC family kind of. Yeah, it could, yeah, it could have been one of those I kinds agree. of things. Yeah. Um, they, they played all kinds of weird stuff in the early 90s when you were still not yet born. Anyway, <laughs> so the Disney... <laughs> Disney was playing it. I was probably like five or six. And I remember kind of like not really having any sort of knowledge of, but was like, oh, cute girl, cute babysitter. You know, even when, I, even when I was really young and that was Jennifer Connelly. I also was sort of attracted to like creepy vibe. I'm pretty sure I would have watched it around Halloween, which is part of the reason we are watching this movie now. It does have like that spoopy vibe, that creepy vibe. It's family yeah. friendly, yeah. but it's certainly, you know, it's kind of eerie. Um and then the only other thing with that, because it's so rarely to catch a movie. Oh, the other reason I stopped to watch it is like, I remember I was watching it on cable. I was watching it on uh, TV. And like, if you catch a movie within the first five minutes of it starting, when you're flipping channels, 
listeners who are young enough don't even know what this is like, but back in the day when you, before streaming, if you caught a movie right as it was beginning and you'd never seen that movie before, if you had even the smallest interest in that movie, you would watch it. Like anything about that movie looked interesting. You were catching it at the beginning. You were going to watch it from beginning to end because that was the only time you were going to catch movies like that. So that was my biggest thing. And then now it is my karaoke go-to song, uh, The Babe with the Power. So (laughs) Kevin and Julie... Tell us your love story with this movie. And while you're at it, tell us, is it Labyrinth or is it Labyrinth? Oh. I don't think we we didn't look it up. (laughs) Maybe it's a personal preference. Jim Henson's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Because it has to specify it's Jim Henson Studios, I think. Um, I think it's Labyrinth. Like, I say it in two syllables, you say it in three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking about, like... I think I say it in two. Labyrinth. 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 So yeah. Kevin's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> wrong. Ke- Kevin's okay. the, the most out of sync with the rest of us. That doesn't make it factually right or wrong. But anyhow, <laughs> no. getting back to the love story with Labyrinth or Labyrinth. Um. <laughs> so it was fall of 08 because it was my first year at yeah. bg um i am the only person on this podcast right now older than the movie <laughs> by like three months <laughs> yeah um and he wasn't my roommate at the yeah. time but ron no um I... one of my person i was rushing our fraternity with um, invited me to go watch a movie with friend from high school. <laughs> okay. Uh, Ron, who he's referring to, mm-hmm. um, my maiden name and his last name are different by two letters. Um, but so pronounce the same writer, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So mine's German. His is German. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And so, so from kindergarten through 12th grade, we always sat next to each other. And then we ended up going to the same university. Um, and so my roommate and I at the time decided that we wanted to play the labyrinth drinking game, um, which why we never actually looked up the rules for, I don't know. Um, yeah, now I'm curious. I was going to say, this is, I well, should have introduced it to I, Danny like this. <laughs> I and I don't even less. remember. I, Ron was just coming over and he was like, hey, I'll bring it. See, I thought you were living with him at the time because I swear he said roommate, but um, yeah. <laughs> he'll bring the beer. Um, <laughs> that was the rest of that conversation. So we're like, yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so we, we gave you both when I, the movie came out <laughs> and the year we first attended BG, so you can do the math on that. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> um, it's in the past. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I, we, they couldn't remember all the rules to it. No, we only remembered one rule, yeah. which is every time you find yourself looking at David Bowie's crotch. <laughs> wow. I'd be the wasted. The drank more than the girls. <laughs> And it's, there are shots where it's like, it's there. That's it's all there. it is. Yes. <laughs> it is literally um, in frame. Like it is the center of the right. frame. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think we also watched another movie after that. <laughs> I don't even know, but that's that's how we met, and uh, that was how my our first relationship yeah. started. Not how our relationship started, yeah. but that was my first time watching the movie. Yeah, that I was your first time. Yeah. My first time. Wow. Apparently, I did not like the Muppet as a young growing up, which made my dad sad because we were watching the Muppet show recently. Like Claire loved it for like a month um <laughs> and we're just laughing at like okay this is adult humor in a muppet in a car- <laughs> yeah. nolan doesn't like him yeah. nolan thinks they're creepy or you know i'm assuming his two-year-old scream and run away yeah. because he thinks they're creepy but not in labyrinth but the actual like muppet show, show. um and that may be changed now because that was like right. six months ago yeah. um but no i I don't. I can't say that I grew up watching the movie, but one of my best friends from high school, um, it's one of her favorite movies, and so we okay. used to watch it at her house all the time. There you go. Um, so I had seen it, and I knew what I was in for, and maybe that's why I didn't shrink as much as everybody else. But <laughs> um, the actual game that we looked it up last night when we rewatched the movie, which. The first time we've rewatched it, at least since. together since. Yeah. Um, there's also rules that, like, every time Sarah says it's not fair, you're supposed to drink. <laughs> every time somebody something. pronounces huggle wrong, <laughs> you're supposed to drink. Every time there's a. Piece of, it says piece of cake. Yeah. And, like, and I'm like, you're not a... going to make it through the first 10 minutes without being wasted. I'm really glad we didn't decide to, like, Go down memory lane. <laughs> the drinking game. Right. I don't. I, nobody would have been awake at this morning when the kids got yeah. up. So, if there's any time there's like a hidden face or something, yeah. Like, it's there's a lot of seriously, them. Seriously, it would you'd last maybe the first fifteen. Minutes I was gonna say those first three morning. that you you threw right. out there were that'll get you messed up. Yeah. All on its own. Right. The hoggle thing, too, I noticed it a lot more this time, but I think the reason I started becoming so much more in tune to it this time is one of the early mispronunciations or mistakes on his name is somebody says Hogwart. Hogwart. Yeah. I literally thought to myself, (laughs) yes, okay. So I actually, last night, was looking up. There's actually, um, I don't know that she's ever publicly come out and said it, but like, there's actually quite a few um, things kind of adapted into Harry Potter from oh. um it so there the hogwarts thing the um now i forget i don't know it was late when i was looking <laughs> movie lovers you can go google this apparently it's it's, yes. its own thing but long story short there's even more evidence i just only caught that but there's even more evidence that uh, right. jk rowling may have uh wow stolen some terms uh from... she's questionable <laughs> these days and i didn't start it from the beginning but i at least got eight times that hoggle's name was said incorrectly <laughs> right and this this is i think when the sweeper comes and that's when i'm like you know what i i, I just want to see and then i'm like wait is it hoggle or haggle which what's his actual name <laughs> <sighs> okay never, i'm counting it <laughs> Yeah. So you two were you met watching this movie, and then you just knew you had an instant bond because you both loved the movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the time, 
actually at the time I think we were both dating other people. Um, now that I'm thinking about the time frame. Yeah. So it wasn't like Timing matters. We've had that conversation on this podcast before. Sometimes the timing's just not right at the first time. Right. Um, I I think we connected as like friends at the time, mm-hmm. but not necessarily more than that. Um yeah. A few months later, both of our relationships had ended, but that's a different story. Yeah. Um, oh. And yeah, no, because again, eventually Ron was my roommate. Um, and like just hanging out like pretty much every other weekend, Julie would hang out with our friend group. Um, and so it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> group circles like um, they overlap significantly. Yeah. So, um, but you never rewatch this, or you? Because there was there were some movies around college that, like, almost every weekend, people were doing a drinking game with particular oh, yeah. movies. But this one never came back up. Mm-hmm. Huh? No, I think. I think it requires a particular audience <laughs> and I don't know that a lot of our friends would care for it. Um, I'm sure at some point it was suggested. I do think that like I had seen it again in college with some of the girls, but not necessarily like in mixed company. I it, People preferred Euro trip. Yeah, and... <laughs> it's very much a movie that if you don't know what is going on and you just walk right. into a room and it's playing, you have no wide no, like you are <laughs> quietly backing out and closing the door. Yes. Yeah, I will say I was engaged fully this entire movie because wow, a lot was happening <laughs> at all times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I wonder if though that maybe because like I was gonna say you we talked about it maybe it's a theater type of people movie but maybe also I was thinking nostalgia like if if you see it at a certain time of your life and then it's one of those movies that's right. ingrained and then it kind of has a place for you but if you come to it later in life you're kind of like okay I see that the puppets are cool like <laughs> I can appreciate the art and then beyond that nah not so much well and it's kind of like uh it's kind of a cult classic yeah for kind sure of vibe to it like you know, the princess bride or, um, even like Alice in Wonderland, right. It's like a- people cling to it while other people are like, what is wrong with you that you watch <laughs> that movie? Oh, it's, <laughs> it's also, cause I've never seen the dark crystal either, uh-huh. which is another Jim Henson mm-hmm. Muppet movie. Um, and the only reason I know that is because I watched, I think it was, uh, it was a contest, I think it was called Face Off, where it was mm. people would create Muppets, like oh. Muppet actors. Yes. And at one point, like, um, they created their own Skeksis from Dark Crystal. That's awesome. And so it's like, and it was done at the Jim Henson Studios, and Brian Henson was a judge. And so then, okay, you see kind of the background of what they do daily, pretty much. Yeah. I feel like that entire art form has just been sadly lost. Like because of, I think Mm -hmm. the leaning on computer generation and it's just cheaper, I think to CG something than it is to have a, like a, like actual crafted puppet master. And there's a reason people I think sometimes don't realize, but like 
Jim Henson, Frank Oz, and like a handful of those other people from the the Jim Henson Studios, they pretty much were the only people running all of the puppets that you can think of, like that were major in your entire life. If if you ever watched the 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, those are puppets right. on their heads, and then there's actors within mm-hmm. them. Um, if you watch Yoda, Yoda is famously voiced by Frank Oz, who did a lot of the different voices and a lot of the different puppets in this movie, The Labyrinth. Like it's the same like six people basically, and yeah, they just okay. do all of it. Yeah. How- <laughs> to keep yourself employed yeah <laughs> well, and then it's like you also think of just the length that like sesame street has been yeah and it's like and that's like the one puppet show that people know because mm-hmm. it's like outside of the muppets but that hasn't been on in a while yeah um and even jim henson studios has done a lot of kids cartoon character designs which again you notice when you have kids and you're watching the credits in between certain shows. It's like, oh, that's a Jim Henson studio. Huh. Like their logo pops up. And like, yeah, okay. Interesting. I will say these puppets are freaking creepy. Like they're nasty, some of them. They're detailed. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Some of them made me feel icky things. Just right at the beginning, the goblins... I was very confused what was happening. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the opening scene. Because you go from fake, right. fake life, maybe, because she's you know, reciting lines to real life to then all of a sudden real or fake life question mark. And the goblins, right. she just has this knowledge of the goblin King. And I'm like, where did the knowledge of the goblin King go? Well, she's it's cause she's reading that book and the book is called the labyrinth at the very beginning. That's what she's like practicing oh. lines from when she's out in the field. Now granted, like I've, this is like the sixth or 10th time that I've seen this movie. So it's not yeah, like I noticed this are, the first time. When but. you're introduced to it, I thought it was just like a fairy tale thing. I don't know. And so that's actually, you mentioned, we mentioned Wizard of Oz. I think somebody said it or Alice in Wonderland. I'm sorry if I'm like taking, but like, I think it takes from those movies. And I was going to ask one note I have. I'm curious about everybody's thoughts. Do we think that this is all just a fever dream for her? Some sort of fantasy or a nightmare? Or is this actually really happening? Because she's reading the book. There's a labyrinth that exists in her bedroom. There's all the stuffed animals. If you look closely at the stuffed animals, most of them are people that she then encounters as puppets later on. She has this Goblin King figure. Yeah, her own dog. She has a Goblin King figure. I think I've took notes on all of these things. She has a Goblin King figure on her um, nightstand at the very end of the movie. Uh, yeah, okay, so like things in the movie. The, the, like, the weird yeah. stairs at the end of the movie. Like, she has one of those posters. She has a labyrinth toll. She's got the fire guys, her dog and horse. There's a fox doll for Didymus and a, and a yeah, cop, the Goblin King statue. She's so, like, she's surrounded by all these things, and she's reading the lines. She has, like, one of those old, like, wooden marble labyrinth games. Yes. Like, and of course, it's as, like, the slow pan in her room as it's showing everything before you know what to expect every like oh yeah that's gonna show up later like oh okay yeah all this stuff is in her room i guess seeing it fresh sorry just like fresh eyes i didn't notice any of that at all that's fair (laughs) (laughs) i think um to is it real So as claire gets older um it's we were talking earlier about like having fun watching kids discover things um, another thing that's really fun is watching kids pretend, right? And how much of it like feels real to them. And like Claire will change her voice depending on like which doll she's playing with at the sure. time and which doll is speaking. 
Um, and I didn't, we didn't like teach her that. Like, right. that's just, she just does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm more inclined to think that it's Sarah's imagination. Okay. Um, because I think she's read this book and this book is like a fantasy to her. Um, you know, a, a Claire, for example, was obsessed with Frozen for a very long time and <laughs> some days she was Elsa and some days she was Anna but like she was the character in it and I think um I think that's kind of where Sarah's at now I think when I watched it when I was younger I assumed that Sarah was younger than she seems to me now as an adult and maybe that's just my perspective maybe she is supposed to be you know for 12 13 14 years old she looks older in my opinion but Mm -hmm. But, i mean um, that's also they cast adults to play teenagers all the time so she could have been 17 at the time but they may have been intending for her to be 13 right but she also like in the end of the movie kind of starts packing everything up like she's kind of putting away her childhood this thing that she's been obsessed with because i think it's possible that her own imagination scared her and that this imagination came to life and like in her as far as she understands and like took her baby brother right um i mean it's we all have like active imaginations and wake up from dreams that feel real and so i wonder if she like is giving all of this up because it was real to her and like was enough to like scare her away from wanting to continue being obsessed with that if you will but yeah i was gonna say the same thing um but also like i can't understand the relationship is it that supposed to be her mother is that supposed to be okay that's that's what i figured because she makes the reference to being a wicked stepmother and then she's looking at pictures of what we assume is her mother who is an actor Mm. and then it's like okay, is she trying to pursue, like, the same career path as her mother, and this is the story that her mother read, and so, like, she is, like you said, so, well, that, like, so knowledgeable of this book that like, it I just feels real. It feels real. Like, her going in, looking at her brother, her significantly younger brother, um, and now that she is babysitting for, um, like, okay, yeah, she's fed up she she needs just she wanted just five minutes and <laughs> can we relate? That, yeah yeah i saw it as like um escaping she clearly felt like everything was unfair in her yeah. whole life mm-hmm. she's mm-hmm. very dramatic i could relate to some of that she wanted to escape it and so she escaped it by going into her little labyrinth world because she hated the way that she was and then i put at the uh and Goblin King equals stepmom. Ooh. So her stepmom was, mm-hmm. or Bowie was a representation of her. Maybe. I, 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 I wrote some stuff down talking a lot about what I, Julie was saying, too. I think it might, the whole thing I do think could be all of what you said. And then I, I also wondered if maybe it was like her doing an imaginative thing to like help her remember lines. Because there's that bit where she's trying to remember them. And she's like, yeah. I can't ever remember and then she can't remember the line, like, when the goblins, before they come take the baby, are like, oh, come on, you know, you just have to, it's, it's right there. Um, 
but also like there's this theme of like growing up like you said before you put away your stuff and i think maybe that's like the lesson of life isn't fair you know life is hard right but if you stay positive and just keep moving forward and you find friends like then you eventually reach the you know the end in a, in a happy place or you you have people there and then there's also that theme of you know should you need us yeah should right. you need us yeah. um sorry i'm, I'm cracking oh, out voices yes yes um so I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of. I think this movie actually has a lot of depth, which might be the reason it sticks to sticks in others. But it's it's definitely some abstract weird sh- <laughs> to get through to get oh, to the depth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there's a little bit like I I don't know their actual ages when it was filmed, but I found myself when in the scene with the staircase. Okay. Staircases where David Bowie is like essentially trying to like from a distance tell Sarah that he loved her I found myself being a little creeped out because Uh. he's not a young man (laughs) in the filming which also leads me to think of it being kind of a dream and like this character is like her um crush obsession whatever her sexuality awakening her adulthood yeah I, I wasn't going that far, but yeah. Um, well, but I, mean, I feel like when we first are, are blossoming into that space, like we envision it as love more than sex. Do you know what right. I mean? But if she's like just at the age of 13 or whatever, she's starting to have those feelings of attraction to other people and not really knowing what to do with them. So she creates this weird thing because it's also right. like that attraction is kind of scary. I don't know. Well, if it is her... If he's a representation of her stepmom, then Freud would have a field day on that. Yeah. I also... That's where where that gets weird. Yeah. Um. I think that scene where they're in randomly in a bubble, a ball, I don't know, where she's like on drugs maybe was poisoned and then Uh she's at at the ball is also weird and creepy. And I got weird feelings of like, is he chasing her? Is she chasing him? Are they going to kiss it was gross to me i don't know maybe feel weird but it's i feel like it's the kind of thing they wouldn't have today for the age difference that you all were discussing yeah right that that part was very much you can feel the 80s influence yeah (laughs) yeah everyone's Uh, hair was (laughs) so big even if even if you didn't think her was in a her having a fever dream or real or real versus fake you can definitely tell that that part is a fever dream. Like that, that, that's a dream within a dream yeah, right there. Definitely. That stuff was incepted. <laughs> so one of the notes I put, I'm jumping around. Go so you for it. You should be proud of me. I'm very proud of you. Let's do it. Um, I wrote, this is actually Hoggle's movie. Oh, explain. <laughs> I feel like he has an emotional journey. There's He has probably the most character development. Yeah. He, I wrote a lot of times, Hoggle sucks. Because there's so many times when you're like, yes, he will be better. And he runs away. <laughs> and then eventually he just comes back at the end and, you know, is selfless and helps her out. And I think he turns into a, a good whatever he is at the end. It's it's kind of like, so they're the trend, trendy thing in movies right now is to, like, humanize the the villain right um and like give him a backstory which has never was never commonplace yeah there's no backstory for the goblin king in this yeah yeah um so like i feel like huggles kind of (laughs) before his time in that in like 
he really could just be the bad guy yeah like betraying her and multiple times um and like being self-serving but he also at the same time is like wrestling with this like oh this is love like this is this is friendship this is something i've never experienced before am i willing to let it go in order to protect myself and that's not something that in the 80s saw in movies very often of like him actually like struggling with his decisions i guess yeah i I wrote down something along the, the lines of like essentially even even our best friends like might hurt you sometimes. You know, we were talking in the first half of this podcast about our uh, Danielle's my best friend, um, you know, and, and relationships. And sometimes the closest of relationships, a person can hurt you really, really badly. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't come back from it, I guess. Right. Yeah. I yeah. think that's what he serves as a metaphor. What were we going to say? Um, <clears throat> the other things I <laughs> have multiple notes on are these songs are strange. The, the songs are strange. The songs are awesome. The songs are bangers. Very David there are yeah. some... St- You're this, showing your age. David. This album is his best work. It's this- not like a boy band song, so I don't get it. <sighs> <laughs> no, but I mean, some of them I said, I just didn't understand the, the purpose behind some of the songs. Like, what's the baby song trying to say? He's the babe with the power. Why does the, the baby have baby the power? The song is trying to say... I'm David Bowie, and in my contract it says I get to sing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've come so long, you've come so far. It just—I mean, it—it it was catchy, yeah. But I didn't understand what was happening. Well, and you also have to remember that apparently all the goblins are babies that the Goblin King has taken away. Oh so, my God! You, I didn't know that. My mind yeah. was just blown like, when you said that. No, that's in, that's in her poem. Like, Goblin King, come and take this baby away. Like, you say that. And uh-huh. then, like, because uh-huh. that's the deal. Like, once the time is up, the baby becomes a goblin. Whoa. That's why she needs... I'm like, more weirded out than I already was now. Wow. I, He's done this a I lot. That, that, that was one that, like, it was like, wait. Okay, that's the... Put the spin on it. I will say, having watched this movie before I had children, I was more attached to it after having, like, than I am now after having children. Because the whole concept of, like, David Bowie coming and stealing a child. <laughs> like, last it's night, different I'm now. It, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm disturbed by this. Like,. And the fact that, like, it was popular, though, and the whole concept is literally this man comes and steals children to make the teenager happy. Like, but if it's like a Shakespearean, like, um, Midsummer's Dream kind of like creatures that really don't have morals, like, yeah. Sure. Okay. But then you're trying to pull a Shakespearean plot into kids and Muppets. Nice. I mean, where else do they fit? I mean, Charles Dickens goes best with the Muppets, and the, I mean, you can't yeah, convince me that there's any better Christmas <laughs> Carol out there. So <laughs> that is true. Um, well, you have George C. Scott as um, Scrooge. So yeah, yeah, that works. <laughs> um, one thing I wrote down also as a note is all of these characters are very afraid of where they live. 
every single one of them is terrified of like being in the labyrinth or at least That's going true. outside of like with their little bubble. Yeah, and even within the labyrinth, most of them are like, oh, this is my one thing within the labyrinth, my one space, don't make me do anything else. Like the two, the two doors where they're like, what's behind the doors? I don't know, we always just, we're just doors, we're on front of them. And then, yeah, they're just like scared of uh, all the other people that live there too. Not people, <laughs> creatures. creatures. Yeah. yeah. Very they're very happy where they're at. Yeah. And I think that, again, that ties back to her where... She, up until probably a few months ago, she was an only child, and now it's being changed, and she doesn't like it. And so then it's like, nope, this this is my corner. Kevin, you finding the, the deepness in this movie, wow. <laughs> you have to wonder, too, like, because you brought up her mom, and the fact that, like, her stepmom is there, mm -hmm. Um but her mom never appears other than right. the picture. She never talks about her, mm. which kind of makes you wonder, like, did something traumatic happen? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. and that all of this is the outpouring of that. Like, the and Toby, the baby, may be a reminder of, like, her mom is gone, mm -hmm. right? Because her dad is willing to be with, you know what I mean? Right. Be with someone else and, and have a child with someone else and almost like a replacement. Sure. And like the way that she treats her stepmother almost like says that too. Like her stepmother says, no matter what I do, she will, no matter what I say to her, she will always treat me like the wicked stepmother. And the fact that like her mother is never mentioned that she's only in that picture. Right. And I, I teach, right. And I don't know a lot of divorced children that in children of divorce children are not divorced <laughs> um, my brain my brain that, just understood what you meant it didn't even track that as weird <laughs> <laughs> that would like keep a picture of their other parent at the other at the other parent's house right because right? they even if they live in a different state you know they would see them etc um so it makes me think like something happened mm -hmm. right so her mother died or her mother mm -hmm. decided just to leave yeah. or you know something traumatic which also goes to the fact that sarah living in this fantasy world mm -hmm. of the labyrinth and you know she goes out into a field to read a book and act it out and um that she's dealing with something that we don't get to see as the audience um yeah you're you're right yeah, and it's it's, it's actually kind of weird because i feel like in most movies that have any kind of through line like that it would be probably not only hit upon it'd be ham-fisted like mm -hmm. they'd be cramming it down right. your throat right. so the fact that it's not being touched on is is almost indicative of maybe it being something more like you're saying yeah i kind of assumed her mom was dead too yeah so did i but i mean i think that also goes along with like the whole thing is this sort of death of innocence you know what i mean like it like mm -hmm. you guys you have to let go of your childhood and and i feel like there's a lot of that of like needing to move forward there's all these characters that she's encountering that danielle like you're saying they're afraid of where they're at but they're afraid to go forward they're not they're afraid to go anywhere else um and i feel like there's a lot of times at least in my adolescence where i felt very much like that um and you know it, it's i still kind of go through that to some degree 
but uh <laughs> there's i mean it's also just like there's a lot of those messages too like the the fire people the the like dancing fire dudes they're always saying like you know um how creepy i hate those they're creepy as all hell <laughs> those but are like my least favorite <laughs> um like they are embody sort of just like giving up like that's kind of the 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 idea there of like I can't remember some of the lyrics right now, but you know, they're like saying, ah, you know, just, just do a fire dance, just burn it all down. Like just, just, you know, like nothing matters, flame it all. And that's another thing that she has to like move so past that, that desire. It's funny that you say that. Cause it gets me thinking like, um, the responses to trauma, right. And all of, not necessarily the people that become her friends, but like the other characters that she meets are almost like, stereotypical trauma responses so the woman with like the all the things on her back mm-hmm, right? she's mm-hmm. hoarding memories and then she does it to sarah mm-hmm. right oh you want to keep this there's a lot of memories attached to that and you want to keep this there's a lot of memories attached this to is that. special this is valuable right mm-hmm. and the um like even the the hands that catch her in the beginning like Helping making him. a joke out of her like situation like that's another trauma you know what i mean like so it it almost feels like it's purposeful hmm. and now i kind of want to like dig into that yeah. <laughs> i'm telling you you could do a whole you could do like a whole semester on the psychology of this movie yeah i didn't even think right. about any of these layers but because then you've got the oubliette like there's this idea that you could just like choose to to stay in the depths of nothingness and never leave the oubliette is a place you never leave um, you know, like you said, helping hands, like you never know which way to go. And then this is a theme to the whole thing. Like this is a big one. The labyrinth is life. You never have any way to know whether you're going the right direction until you've already gone. And even then, right. like you, there's nothing you can do once you've gone there. You just have to keep moving forward, keep figuring out the next stage. You, you're going to hit dead ends. You're going to hit people that are being jerks. You're going to hit people that say burn it all down. You're going to hit people and grief and all these things. And, and you know, you just you just have to keep going. Like, that's all you well, can do, no matter, even, even though you never know where to go. With her journey, it gets easier as she gets more friends. Right. Like, when it's first starting out, it's the worm. Mm-hmm. And... Like the worm is like, oh, don't go that way, and she turns. Oh, thanks. Goes the other way. It's like, no, she should have been going the other way. She went straight to the castle. Yeah, <laughs> but then, great. right? But then again, she like meets all the other people that she eventually befriends, and there are times when she is in an issue that her friends solve for her, or at least, and and in the situation with the hoarders, like they pull her out of that. Um, there's the uh, pit of unyielding stench the buttholes um, <laughs> truly those were buttholes the bog right? of eternal stench and yes i wrote down literal sphincters they somewhere were. in my notes they were buttholes <laughs> yep literally um, <laughs> and like her uh i can't remember the big monster that like calls the rock ludo uh, the, yeah yeah ludo, yeah, ludo. Yeah. and he helps her cross that after like like no one else can so it's like each person kind of has had their own ability to help in certain situations and then all her friends in the end were able to help her pull her out of very bad circumstances you know this movie i is actually the wizard of oz i wrote that that she collects i have that dumbed down in here somewhere too because she starts collecting friends just like dorothy does yeah and the munchkins equals goblins 
Yeah, I mean, kind of. I mean, there's maybe. a lot of similarities. Creepy. About the the bog of eternal stench. Yeah. I, I just thought of it connecting to to our themes of like sh- of of uh, grief. Sorry. Um, this processing difficulties. This is the other thing. Is like it, I feel like it's a child's uh, metaphor for eternal shame. Right. Like if you stink, you will always be full of shame. You will carry that shame mm-hmm. with you for the rest of your life, and that's like another fear of trauma that you have done something wrong and that you must carry that shame with you for the rest of your life for eternity well and so her mantra throughout the movie going back to the drinking game um <laughs> is that it's not fair it's not fair and, mm-hmm. like kids that have been through traumatic things like often that's what they're saying like it's not fair it's not fair it's, because it why isn't. do i have to deal with this and my friend gets both their, their parents why like and it's almost like she's coping mm. with whatever happened and she can't get out of her head that it's not fair that life has moved on and I don't have this person yeah. anymore. I, of like the three quotes that I have, one is it's not fair, but that's the way it is. Right. Like that, like she once, eventually comes to that. Conclusion. Yeah. Once she says it, then she realizes, and that's like her one of her big epiphany moments of, Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. I'll move on. Also goes back to life. It's life. It's not fair. It's not. Right. But that is the way it is. Right. So. Dang. I I feel like my mind was just blown so many times. I didn't think about any of these layers. This is at why all. this movie's awesome. <laughs> layers upon layers <laughs> upon layers. This is why. Time, and then you get all of these. This is why I love talking about movies because you you, you don't necessarily see the stuff you talk about it. And the first time we meet Hoggers when he's peeing into the fountain. (laughs) That was, yeah. Um, Yes. Like, okay, that, like, that. I also had the Goblin Power Rangers, which I I saw that. It was like the five different colors mounted goblins. I'm like, there's red, there's green. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's the Goblin Power Rangers. <laughs> so we're going into lighter fare. Uh, I also, I, I think it was the first time I noticed what I dubbed the uh, the American sniper moment during the uh, Babe with the Power because he's like tossing the Babe up in the air at different times. And at one point, you know, you can very clearly see that that is a doll. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not a real baby. So we did toss yeah. the baby and catch it. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's probably better for the baby, but, you know, I just like it. I, I noticed. I noticed. Child safety laws. <laughs> um, do we think, like, how much power did actual David Bowie, not the Goblin King, <laughs> have over this movie? Because I think a lot of it was, I could see it from the mind of Bowie, but also okay. from the, like, uh, like, my penis must be shown. Like, I know you guys already talked about that. That God piece is but infamous. holy cow. Wow. That was. Right. But I asked you, I said, is that real? I don't know. I guess I didn't. It looked real to me. Piece. <laughs> that was a lot. Right. <laughs> we we had a whole full on discussion about whether it was a cod piece or whether it was just him. And the only thing I could come to was not even saying there's anything having to do with the size, but just that if it was that bulgy, you'd have been able to make out really specific details if it had in fact been him and not a cod piece. I. I have grown up dancing and sometimes with men wearing men's tights. Mm-hmm. Leotards, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's there's definitely at least something mm-hmm. whether mm-hmm. it's 
like there's a thing called a dance belt that holds things in place that makes it look like that if you've ever seen like male ballerinas um but it like it's there's definitely some patterns it's very pronounced and every costume he wears throughout the movie it is very pronounced yeah and when he's got like the trench coat on where he's like the beggar in the like tunnels underneath yes and he stands up and he's got the trench coat that is like buttoned over his chest and then open <laughs> <laughs> but it's like okay come Ta-da! on <laughs> <laughs> um i want to ask you all what your favorite characters are from the movie should I start? Sure. I like Ludo. Me too. I like Ludo too. I do like Ludo a lot, but I have in here somewhere a note uh, about Sir Didymus. And I was just like, man, I forgot how friggin' awesome Sir Didymus was. Like, he's just so <laughs> manic, so absurd. He is wild. And even just at the, like, when he first meets them, he's like, you can't cross without my permission. Yeah. Well, do we have your permission? Like he's surprised that you're asking. (laughs) It's just like the like the wide like Kermit mouth. Oh yeah, yeah. That's. He's also like completely delirious. Oh yeah. Am I? What does he ask her in the end? Am I something? Is my sense of smell strong or something like that? It's like no, you lived in the bog of eternal stench and had no idea. (laughs) Right. No. And Sarah just lied to you to make you feel better. So, I, you know, I guess. His I, entrance to... I also really like Toby. Toby's like an adorable, right, junky Right, <laughs> Dance, magic, dance, magic. Sorry. Oh, my God. Um, I love the dog, too. Just the dog. I loved it. This time I noticed a lot of the transitions between the he's actual real and dog like, and then the puppet. He's shaking. <laughs> they just shake the dog puppet. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. And then it's like, here's Dog Puppet that that's behind the screen. And then you see the dog run yep. off in the background. Like, was that planned or was that just the best take? <laughs> I think that's all the notes I had. Does anyone have any last minute um, things they want to say about this wild, wild movie? All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think I just want to, yeah, I think that there's a lot actually to it if you you read between the lines. And I'm glad to see you see that because this is a perfect example then of a movie that like on its surface i understand why you don't necessarily see the depth that i see but this is why movies matter and like this and it's and it's and honestly this is another perfect example like movies don't matter because of the experience you have watching it movies matter because of the experience you have sharing it oh mm-hmm. yeah truly. whole point of the podcast no i agree i think when you all talked about it we just kept revealing layers and then you said the goblins were the babies oh my god <laughs> my mind is blown well and i have yeah. never really clocked the mother thing before like i've known that it was stepmother but like kevin i think like you i was kind of is it stepmother or is it mother is she just treating her like a stepmother um but yeah, like I never noticed the the portrait or anything, and that just adds whole other layers. And talking about like maybe that's why she doesn't want to talk about things and the trauma that could be there. That's just wow. So it is a brilliant movie. Hell yes. All right. Do you want to do hearts and? All right, we can do hearts. Renewer vows. Okay. All right. 
I'll go ahead and go first. I'm definitely renewing my vows. Uh, I will probably watch this movie, you know, once every 10 years or so. It's probably been about six or eight since I saw it last. Um, in terms of its actual heart rating, I'm it's I love all of those layers, but it is also just like a weirdly paced movie. Like it's kind of like moving at a quick clip from scene to scene to scene to scene. But then I always feel it dragging and feel like I want to fall asleep in the part where she's like um, in that ballroom situation. And then like it kind of picks up again. So I got to dang it for that. I'm going to give it four out of five hearts. hearts. Wow. Okay. Um, I will give it three out of five hearts because <gasps> it made me feel weird. Um, will I renew my vows and watch it again? Only if alcohol is involved and I'm playing the <laughs> drinking game. <laughs> Next time when you guys come visit. Come come to Ohio, first of all, or we can come to Chicago. We have to have somebody watch Tiny Hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Either of those works. I'm just glad we didn't. But we just need yeah. to not... Not have anything to do yeah, the, next the next day. Next <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Things have changed in uh, 11 years. Um, <laughs> I, I'm i with Nick. It's four. And I I renew my vow with the movie. But I it to some degree, I probably have the most experience with the movie. Um, but I, I almost want to like watch it right now just to like watch all of the things that we just talked I know, about right? and like see if we can pick up on more and like because there is there's definitely some genius to all of the things like I can't imagine that those things are accidental yeah like I there's got to be a deeper psychology to it and now I want to like see what I can do right. with that and then leave it to rest until the kids are old enough to watch it do right. cool internet research because right now it would be nightmare city oh yeah <laughs> for sure um i was gonna give it a three but i'm also gonna give it a four <gasps> yeah. um again just again just kind of everything we've touched on like there are times where it's like okay it, it just seems like we've been saying it feels like a fever dream. Like what is, how does this happen? <laughs> and then it's like, Oh, literally for that result, yeah. for that one, like it, it, here's this like 10, 20 minute scene for a five minute payoff, but the five minute payoff is really worth it. <laughs> um, and yes, very much maybe watch it in three, not three, five to six years when the kids nice. make sure that one, they're okay with Muppets. <laughs> uh, like Claire has been listening to Halloween music and we've been listening to nightmare before Christmas. And so it's like, she likes the music. I don't think we're, we're ready, ready for, for that movie. one. I was going to ask, I was like, man, if she's watching nightmare before Christmas, she's got to be ready for this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, nope. I know the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, Go back and listen I to our episode on that movie lovers because that's got some yeah. past experiences for people. I and I love Hocus Pocus and I don't even think she's ready for that. Not because there's anything necessarily like scary in it, but just the whole concept mm -hmm. I think would terrify her. I think <laughs> yeah, Billy is scary and also they're witches who wanna kill children. So right. <laughs> also 
the not just kill children, but like suck their souls, souls out. <laughs> The sequel doesn't have any of that genuine spookiness. You could probably have them watch Hocus Pocus 2, and they we, wouldn't be scared. We watch watched it. it. Uh, we watched yeah. it. Not with the oh. kids, but um, I I was having this conversation, com, wow, Cup, yeah. conversation with somebody the day after we watched it, and like, there's some nostalgia involved in the first one. Because yeah. the first one watching it as an adult i'm like this is not spooky as at all but i remember watching it as a kid and being yeah out by all of it yeah mm-hmm. and so i think some of it is just nostalgia i enjoyed the second one but it was fine know. it was a movie it's fine it's not the original <laughs> right yeah. anyway <laughs> well, with that, movie lovers, uh, I, I understand that the Malones uh, do not have anything particular to plug or any side hustles that they wish to direct people's attention to. No nope. local. No. Uh, okay. Then, it's Danny, do you have anything to plug? For that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Follow me on Insta at Danny Miami Four to see me every Thursday night at Second City with Comedy Sports. That's right. And come to my workout classes. <laughs> <laughs> follow Danny on Instagram for those workout classes. Sure. You can also follow me at Nick Loves Movies. That's N I C Nick L U V Love. Nick Loves Movies. And you can follow our podcast at the letter N Loves with Love with Movies. N Love with Movies. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Give us a like and a follow over there. Go ahead and subscribe on any sort of uh, listening app that you're listening to this on. Find us on YouTube. Do us a huge favor. Do us a huge favor. I would love to have another Love Note segment. Just, just one uh, more five-star nice review. About us. <laughs> We've gotten a lot of five-star ratings, but nobody writes anything. So oh. a lot of friends and family of like you know, and and, and listeners have uh, done that for us. But you know, if you actually write it, we'll give you a love note. But in addition to that, if you can't do that, I understand. Sometimes that's hard to do. For me personally, I have literally given up on doing that for some podcasts sometimes because I will try to figure out how to do it on Apple Podcasts, and it's hard to figure out. It's easier on Spotify. We'll take that too. Uh, but if you can't do that. Share us. Send this to one friend, one person, and individually say to them, hey, this was a fun listen. I think you'd enjoy it. Please give it a listen. One person. That's all I ask. Do it. All right. And with that, you can always find us on the socials. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for being with us. This has been In Love With Movies. Uh, We love you, Kevin and Julie. I love you, Danny. (laughs) I love you, Nick. And we love you, movie lovers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.